Moncrief on News Talk. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again to bring us some stories from other parts of the world. Good afternoon, Jonathan. Jonathan. Uh, right, uh, Finland. We're going to go to uh, first, and uh, they've accused Russia of aiding, uh, of aiding illegal border crossings. How exactly? Yeah, that's uh, the Prime Minister Pateri Orpo, who hasn't been in power for too long, and he has accused Russia of helping migrants to get into the country illegally. He says that basically the Russians are uh, allowing uh, migrants who are legal in their country, as in legal in Russia, mm. to get to the uh, border with Finland and then from there cross over, either by bike or in cars. Uh, there's a deal that was struck w- with the Russians in Finland years ago where people could cycle over the border and they wouldn't be stopped. And that mm. seems to be exploited. It was to faci- facilitate locals on both sides who wanted to go over for day trips or, you know, okay. discounts yeah. on their shopping or Christmas crackers or whatever it might be. And um, so that's a kind of a loophole that they feel is being exploited now by the Russians. And they feel that it's a policy that is now actually coming down from Moscow. So they're saying, OK, you're transporting these people to the border. You're letting them cross over. And before, whereas before the Russians on their side of the border would stop people who they suspected of trying to get into Finland, would check their papers, and if they didn't have permission to get into Finland, they wouldn't let them pass. So the Russians would kind of sort it out on their side. But now, because obviously Finland, as of April, I think, this year, has joined NATO, and because obviously it's part of the EU, Mm. uh, and they're not getting on very well, the Russians are having a go at them. Similar to what Lukashenko did in Belarus a couple of years ago by letting... Similar people into Poland and Lithuania uh, who were legal in commas. And these people, uh, where are they from originally? Uh, uh, Iraq, Syria, um, Afghanistan, places like that. Yeah, and okay. So they would have travelled a considerable distance absolutely. already to yeah, get to the border absolutely. with Finland. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, But what the Finns are seeing is that the, the numbers of those people crossing have you know, uh, really rapidly increased over the last number of, of, of weeks in particular since uh, since October, there thereabouts. And so they've had to close their borders uh, down in the southeast. So there's eight oh. border posts along the, the border with Russia. They've closed four of them, I think, in the southeast and they've left three of them open, but further up north mm. where these people weren't coming through. It's a longer cycle up Yeah, it's a longer cycle. It's colder. It's, 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 it's more isolated, I suppose. Right, okay. And have the, Russia, have the Russians said anything about this? Oh, they've... they've responded by saying, you know, this is a terrible boom by Finland, the usual thing, and it'll, yeah. it'll be detrimental to relations uh, over the coming weeks yeah. and months. Okay. Uh, right, Nepal, we're going to go to next. And uh, they've banned TikTok. They are. They're going to ban TikTok. Um, and they're saying, uh, they're citing negative effects on the country's social harmony. Mm. Uh, I'll quote the spokesperson who says that content that is shared on TikTok disturbs social harmony and disrupts family structures and social relations. And for that reason, at least on the surface, they're getting rid of TikTok. Now, it comes off the back of um, new laws that are being put out, were put out or a new policy that's tightening up on social media platforms in general. So basically, they're asking all social media companies um, to open an office or appoint a representative, okay, within the next three months. That's Meta, whoever it might be, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And if they don't, then they'll be, they'll suffer the same fate as TikTok. Now, Uh I'm not 100% sure why TikTok in particular has been singled out here as being the test case for Nepal. 
but I would imagine it has something to do with the local politics as well. Uh, we know, of course, TikTok and its relationship with the Chinese government has always been in question, shall yes. we say, although it's <laughs> denied by the Chinese government. It's banned in India already, as you know, since 2020, and they've mm. had border disputes that have been ongoing over the last couple of years. So it could be that Nepal are rowing in because I believe Nepal have border disputes also with, with China. So it could be that below the surface, Nepal are rolling in behind India on this particular policy uh, as well. But it's going to affect 2.2 million users in Nepal, so they won't be happy. Okay, most. that's that's interesting. And the, and the other social media companies, are, you know, are, have they uh, acquiesced to appointing a local representative who Nepal can well, give out to? It, well, it, it only came in last week, I believe, on the policy itself, so they'll have three months to, to adhere to it. Okay. So we'll see yeah. in, in time if they do. And I imagine... Because they're saying, you know, open an office or appoint a representative. Now, that could be, you know, whoever rings somebody up and says, hey, do you want to work for for 50 grand a year (laughs) and sit there doing nothing? So, you know, it could be as easy as that. Sweet deal. Uh, Right, Zimbabwe, we're going to go to next. And uh, an opposition activist has been found dead. Yeah, this... I don't know if there was hope uh, years ago when Robert Mugabe finally left office, um, given that the fella who, but there was a little glimmer of it, although given that the fella's name was, his nickname is the the crocodile. Yeah. um, That's uh, Emerson Manangagwa, who's been the president for the last six or seven years. Um, So there were, as you might recall, elections back in August of this year. And they, like most elections in Zimbabwe, were contested by the, uh, opposition, right? Mm. They believed that they were um, that they weren't legal. Okay, so this is the Coalition for Change, the CCC, who, relative to other elections, didn't do too badly. They won forty four percent of the vote, but Manangagwa won fifty two percent of the vote, and Susanna PF still in government. They've been there since nineteen eighty. Um, as I said, the elections have been contested, and there is a by-election coming up in in an area of Zimbabwe on the 9th of December, and people have been campaigning around that. So, with all of that tension, during this campaign, a man was abducted on not Saturday gone, but the Saturday before, mm. thrown into the back of a car, and was later found uh, very badly beaten up uh, and on the side of a road. He subsequently died. Okay, so he was taken by people who were unknown, shall we say. Yeah. But the thought is that they were represented as Zanu PF, who didn't like who he was representing, and they murdered him, effectively. And it's the second time that this has happened, that is an abduction in as little as two weeks. I believe the other person who was abducted was also thrown out on the side of the road, but he managed to survive. Um, so, just something that's uh, that's ongoing, and, and unfortunately, um, the situation in Zimbabwean politics doesn't seem to be improving uh, yeah. uh, greatly. Is, is this kind of thing relatively common then in Zimbabwe? I, it has been for years, yeah. to be honest with you. I mean, I was even looking at it there and I remember, um, what, who was it? Morgan Sangurai was the mm. only one who really challenged yes. Mugabe yeah. years ago. I'm sure he was poisoned. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was all sorts of things. So there's, there's constantly this kind of um, killings and abductions around yeah. politics. Very dangerous place to be a politician. Right, Venezuela or uh, Guyana, where we're going to now, where they're having a bit of a dispute over uh, a stretch of land. So, uh, 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 this is a very old dispute? It's an extremely old dispute. It goes all the way back to the 19th century. I'll give the potted history if you don't mind. So, there was an international tribunal in 1899 that they both signed up to in 1905 over this region called Essequibo. Okay, so it's. 
it makes up about two thirds of Guyana. Okay, and to answer your inevitable question, is there oil in them? There hills, there is. Of course, okay? yeah. But um, it's two thirds of Guyana. It's two thirds of Guyana. Yeah, and and the dispute stems from the fact that it, this, because of where this land is positioned, it it gives Venezuela less access to the sea. So it's not that there's oil in the hills, there's oil in the sea. Yeah, and okay. if the borders were redrawn, Venezuela would have the rights to issue licenses to the likes of Exxon and, okay. and oil, ex, oil, explora- oil exploration companies, excuse me, uh, instead of Guyana. Okay, so mm. this dispute has been ongoing for years, but then it kind of peaked again in 2015 when they found the oil and it's gone to the international courts of justice. Okay, so the ICJ... Uh, are basically uh, were basically listening to a case from Guyana because they were upset at the fact that Venezuela is holding a referendum on the 3rd of December. Now, it's a consultative referendum. And the idea of this referendum is to get people in Venezuela to vote for a new state within Venezuela, which just happens to be called Essequibo. So it's basically right. a constitutional land grab, if you like, right? And what they're doing is they're going to offer people if the referendum goes through, they're going to offer people um, citizenship of Venezuela. So okay. they basically say, hey, now that you're part of Venezuela, you can become a citizen and that way gradually take over this area of land. Mm-hmm. Of course, Guyana aren't particularly happy about this. So they're going to the ICJ and they're saying you need to put a stop to this referendum. Um, now, they haven't come back with the decision yet. Uh, but it's sort of an interesting, an interesting way tip, of going about way it. Way of yeah. going about it, yeah. I, I assume though the oil companies be rather leery of 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 commencing any operations there until this is all sorted out. Well, I would think, but it, it, there's been a few decisions before that have gone very much against Venezuela, and those decisions have been taken relatively quickly. Mm. So I don't think either Guyana or these companies have much to fear yeah. from this. To be honest with you, but it's it is put it is putting a spanner in the works in terms of uh, progress of this uh, of this oil exploration. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's, well, but as with Guyana particularly, could do with that kind of uh, revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, Colombia. Are we going to go to before? And this is uh, the famous hippo story that you told us about before. Yeah, it's it's from twenty twenty one. That was the last time we spoke about it. Would you believe? So these are Pablo Escobar's mm. famous hippos. Um, he bought loads of them and had them in his own private zoo before his death in 1993. Um, And of course, when the zoo was attended no more, these hippos were either set free or they got out somehow. So they've been living and breeding uh, with, you know... um, Wild abandon. With wild abandon, (laughs) effectively. And so their numbers have increased. Uh, There's over 100 of them now, I think about 170 hippos in Colombia. And there's been a long sort of discussion about what to do with them uh, over time. So now they've decided... Um, that what they're going to do is they're going to sterilise them. So they've started that operation. But it costs nearly $10,000 a pop to sterilise one of these hippos. So it's very, very expensive. Yeah, because I imagine you have to capture the hippo. They're not not going to do that voluntarily. They're not going to form a queue and go, yeah, okay. Uh, Right, so what should we uh, look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, two things tomorrow. There's elections in uh, Netherlands that are happening tomorrow and news there is Mm. that Gert Wilder's party is actually doing quite well there Mm -hmm. and might uh, win about 25 or 26 seats. Uh, we haven't spoken about him for a while, but he yeah. hasn't gone away anyway, yeah. Sean. Uh, tomorrow's also 60 years since the assassination 
of John F. Kennedy. There's been lots of coverage and documentaries about that over the last couple of days. Friday, an interesting strike in Coventry is happening on Black Friday, where Amazon staff have decided that they're not going to work on that particular day. So that'll be, that will get quite a bit of coverage, I would have thought. And then on Sunday, the Booker Prize winner is announced. OK, and so uh, two Irish contenders there. Good luck to Paul Murray and Paul Lynch. Uh, Jonathan, thanks a million. Thanks, uh, as ever, Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.